You're listening to the Forefront Church podcast in New York City, dedicated to cultivating a just and generous expression of the Christian faith. So poetry is my release. My shield from all grief, my refuge to which I retreat when this world is too much for me. Phrases on pages, language my mind speaks, metaphors and similes, poetic elements. I just breathe. This poem is called Decisions. Let all my people take a walk with me. Let all my people have a talk with me because we have some decisions to make. We got to make some decisions because there are racial divisions. Blacks and whites got a schism. Some people call it racism because the looks that are given put us in awkward positions from Minnesota to Mississippi, from L.A. to Virginia. But there's not a color limit to this discriminant system as many races, religions, political and social positions are cause for division. Just relax and listen. Close your eyes and envision Catholicism versus Protestantism. Prejudice held between Hindu, Muslims, and Jewish tradition. Malice mounted between Chinese and Koreans. Bad border between Pakistanis and Indians. Israelis and Palestinians. The Lebanese and the Syrians. Rwandans, Ugandans, Congolese and Nigerians. Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. Everybody in the Caribbean. The list of conflicts is as big as the world we're living in. But hatred has never been the mission of this religion. That tradition would certainly seem sacrilegious because Jesus certainly teaches to love your neighbor as yourself. And God is definitely blessing us and everybody else. So separate we can fall, but together we can grow because it's a cruel, cold world when you walk through it alone. These aren't black, brown, yellow, red, and white issues. These are wrong and right issues. And there's no reason for a human being to have to argue his or her humanity. We live in a supposedly post-modern world that looks more medieval every day. Our world is educated and ignorant, embracing and intolerant, wealthy but so unhealthy, so quick to raise money but so slow to begin helping. See, when will we lower our rifle scopes and focus our microscopes, trade our bombs for books, change the world lens through which we look and see people and not problems, see people and not obstacles, see people and not potential for profit, but see living, breathing, loving people. See, we are all people, pebbles tossed into a pool. Every ripple I create, internal ripple use. So in unison, we ripple in a type of ripple rhythm, but we need to ripple in a way that reflects his kingdom. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. In the precious, transformative, saving name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. My name is Jonathan, um, and I am super grateful um, for Forefront and for Pastor Jonathan, and especially Sarah New for connecting me with Pastor Jonathan on Twitter, and so that's why I'm here. Uh, really really grateful um, to be before you today. Um, It's a privilege to talk um, about this man who also happens to be God named Jesus, um, who laid down his life that we might have life and have life abundantly, and even more so to talk about what that looks like practically um, in our everyday everyday lives. And so I'm super grateful for that. Um, 
I need to give some caveats. I'm going to talk fast, which you may have already noticed. Um, and because we don't have a lot of time and because I like do this thing called spoken word poetry and hip hop. And so it, I, I speak quickly. If there's a moment where you're like, I don't know what you, I don't understand what you just said. Not that you don't understand it like cognitively, but that you just don't hear it because it's so fast. Just do this. That's just going to be our sign for slow, just slow it down. Okay. Um, I'm on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Um, InterVarsity's mission is to see lives transformed, campus renewed, and world changes developed. I hang out on the edge of the world changes developed box. Jesus is not looking for interns. He's looking for disciples. So it's not a, li- it's not a limited time. It's a lifestyle. So how do we actually um, transform our lives through encounters with God that we might reflect his kingdom in this world? And so I hang out with college students, and I also hang out with lots of adults because Learning doesn't stop when you leave college, right? And so what does it look like for us to live in these, um, this thing is like not reconciled to my head right now, but um, what would it look like to actually reflect this kingdom in the world? So whether that be one day when people come and feed the homeless with us or tutor a mentor or feed the homeless or fight sex trafficking and labor slavery, like we do that one day or you come hang out with us for a week or two months or actually do this stuff full time with us in the city. Why? Because following Jesus is a lifetime. And so how do we integrate those practical steps into our lives? That's my job, to develop leaders with the character and capacity to change the world, which really means Jesus wrecks my life, and then I invite other people into the same wreckage, and then we get reconciled to each other. Cool? Um, See, I want to talk fast, and soon I'm going to rip this off and just project, but it's cool. So the first slide is where it all begins, Um, and Genesis is a cool place to hang out there. Um, And so this verse uh, is a foundational text for me. Um, I'm going to go through two passages. One is Genesis 1, and then the other is um, John 3.16, because I think they go together. Um, but Genesis 1, as you can see on the screen, again, I'm going to go quickly because I don't have a lot of time, and there's a timer in my pocket, um, is that every single part, one of us is made in the image of God. All of us. Every person on the planet is made in the image of God. All of us. I want you to think about those people, and all of us have those people in our hearts and in our minds, those people who we think are less than us, those people who we think are out there, those people who we think we can't live in a neighborhood with them, we don't know how they could live there, those people that your parents would be upset with if you married, right? Those people that we put on the outside, our families put on the outside, our cultures put on the outside, that God puts in the middle because there's no outside with Jesus, right? All of us, there's actually room for all of us at the table. So what would it look like for every single person to know that they were made to flourish, work, rule, and create? Next slide, right? We were made to flourish, work, rule, and create. What you see in Genesis 1 and 2 is we are human beings, not human doings, right? Our identities are fixed. God breathes life into us. There's no catcalling in the kingdom of God, Right? There's no abuse or violence in the kingdom of God. There's no lying or body shame in the kingdom of God, right? There's no eroticization of all these people around us in the kingdom of God. We're actually reconciled to one another, reconciled to creation, reconciled to God, and reconciled to ourselves. There is shalom, peace between all relationships. Wouldn't that be awesome to live that way, right? It would be great if that actually happened, but that's not what happens. And I call that exploitation a fancy word for sin. 
right? When you violate the purposes of something for your own benefit, when you violate the purposes of someone for your own benefit, when you violate the purposes of someone or a country for your own country's benefit, right? What would it look like for us not to exploit and crush the image of God and our brothers and sisters around the corner and around the world? That's the invitation when we follow Jesus, right? To actually step into a different economy, right? This is beyond capitalism, beyond socialism, beyond, like, this goes beyond all that to say there's room for everybody at this table, right? Karl Marx did not write about this, right? The apostle Paul did, fundamentally different story, right? Adam Smith, this is not in his texts, right? I went to Columbia, and that's what brought me out of the woods. I'm from a farm in Southern Virginia. And something that I didn't know was that all these things didn't say the same thing, right? Like, oh, but like, you know, they're kind of all the same, right? Like, you know, Vishnu, Krishna, like all the books are kind of the same. But then I had to read all the books for class. And I tried to BS it at first. You can't do that at Columbia. <laughs> you can find out real quick. So I actually read the text and I realized Jesus is unique. What God, Father, Son, Spirit actually calls us into is unique. I'm actually saved by grace through faith so that no man can boast. You mean I don't have to do anything? I'm actually brought into this kingdom? You mean Jesus died for me, black me? Right? Like Jesus actually laid down his life that I might be seen as human, that I might be seen as not just, not just tolerated, right? See, critical race theory and these other things call for tolerance. No, Jesus does not tolerate me right? Jesus does not tolerate you. He doesn't look at you and say, it's nice to have you around, right? I want you to think about that for a second. That is the best that the world has to offer, right? The best that Jesus has to offer is Revelation 7, where every tribe, every tongue, and every nation are celebrated before the kingdom of God, right? Where you actually bring 100% of you to the throne room, and you are appreciated, and not just appreciated, but held up and saying, you are made in the image of God. So think about that. The kid with Down syndrome and the CEO of the company that you work with, both made in the image of God. The homeless guy that you refuse to sit beside on the subway, made in the image of God. The person that makes six figures or seven figures or eight figures at the expense of everybody else, made in the image of God. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, made in the image of God. Bernie Sanders, every representative, made in the image of God to flourish, work, rule, and create. Think about that. Some of y'all are like, no, nah, they ain't, right? <laughs> but there's a brokenness that's there, and we all know what that brokenness looks like, right? Because some of us took the subway here, some of us drove here, and you drove, you hit a pothole, that's an injustice, right? What would it look like? What would it look like for the kingdom of God to actually be reflected in this world? I think it looks like John 3.16 right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him might not perish but have everlasting life. Let's think about that for a second. God did not send you into the world to save the world. He didn't. The school that I went to, the schools that I go to now, every commencement speech is like, you will do it. No, you won't. I'm sorry. Ain't no documentary you can make to tell people what they don't already know. If you make documentary films, God bless you. Don't. It's all right. Keep making your movies. Okay, but we need to understand that me starting an organization or me doing is not going to transform the world. It is only the risen Jesus and an encounter with Him that will transform hearts, transform relationships, and actually redeem systems and structures in this world. Right? Did I just turn this on backwards. Right? Did y'all see that? I'm. I don't know. We'll see. I know, right? Reconcile this. But listen. Uh, but here's the deal. I appreciate your generosity. See her steward in her time right there? Listen, her, her privilege and power. Listen, so here's what I want you to think about. That word God, right, is actually Greek. Like the, the 
Christianity started over there, right? It didn't start over here, right? It's been changed into something different, but here's the reality. That word God, that Father, Son, Spirit, one in three, three in one, right? That's what we're talking about, that kingdom math where one plus one plus one equals one, right? So what would it look like for us to actually experience that? And I'm gonna put scotch tape on my face. I hope y'all don't mind that, all right? But I hope, (laughs) I hope, as you understand, like that God, Father, Son, Spirit, we're not talking about Vishnu, we're not talking about Krishna, we're not talking about Buddha, and we're not talking about the secret, that God that's in us. No, we're talking about. We're talking about Father, Son, Spirit. That's what we're talking about. That dwells within us, that it wants to go out into that, that. That's what we're talking about, right? So when we grab the Bible, we're not talking about a text that's like everybody else. We're talking about a text that's very specific, but also flexible, to be contextualized to every moment in time and every space and culture. Right? So that God, Father, Son, Spirit, so loved. We're not talking about the kind of love you fall into, right? You fall into ditches. You don't fall into the love of God, right? It's an actual practical step when we say, God, I'm going to step into the love that suffers. 1 Corinthians 13. Love that suffers. A love that perseveres. A love that presses in. A love that goes forward, right? That's the type of love we're talking about. A love that hopes in all things. So when you see dogs being sicked on women in Standing Rock, a love that hopes in all things. A love that perseveres. When you see people being bombed in Yemen, paid for by our tax money. When you see people being exploited in Syria, when you see people trafficked all over our city because they bring us our food when we sit down at our really nice restaurants. God, his love hopes in all things. His love perseveres. His love is sacrificial. His love presses in. That's the kind of love that we're talking about. That's the type of love that can set you free. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. What's that word world? That word world is the Greek word cosmos meaning his ordered purpose. So God sent his son to lay down his life for his ordered purpose. What was his ordered purpose? Genesis 1 and 2, that we'd be in right relationship with one another. So this Jesus that was sent into the world was not sent to condemn the world. So therefore, what if when we encountered Jesus, we did not condemn the world, but we loved the world like Jesus? Christians in America are professionals at condemnation. We're really, really good at throwing stones at people right? We know who they are because we've created an us and a them every day over and over and over again. And Facebook curates it for us, right? So them is cut out and we only hear from us, right? What would it look like for us to actually experience the us that God is talking about? Why? Because we're all equal before him. He is God. We are not. He is creator. We are creation. There's no hierarchy, right? We are all subject to him. So what if we did that? What if we actually leveraged all that we had? See, privilege is framed as this horrible thing when in reality, Jesus was as privileged as they come. You think you're connected, he's a son of God. You think you have access to resources, he's like, I own the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Colossians 1 says, everything that was made was for him, by him, and through him, everything that was made was made, right? That's privilege. What would it look like for us to be like Jesus, because privilege is just a fancy way of saying you are called to, you got stuff that you didn't do anything to get. Now give it away like Jesus to those who don't have it. He had the very presence of God. He laid down his life that we might have access to that, that we might be reconciled to that. He did not say, I'm just going to liberate you from your suffering. He said, I'm going to liberate you through your suffering. 
so you might step into this reality. So if we enter into that, he laid down his life for his ordered purpose that we might be reconciled to him. I got 12 minutes. Are you ready? Actually, no, it's just 12.03. I have six minutes. Next slide. So the way that I want that to look, next slide, just keep going real fast. And then next slide. Six minutes, guys. So here's what I want you to think about. God's justice is much, much bigger than the injustices in this world. And whatever you organize your life around is God to you. And most of us organize our lives around things that are not actually God, for God so loved the world, right? God did not send money into the world. God did not send comfort into the world. God did not send the U.S. Constitution into the world. God sent his son into the world that we might be reconciled to him. God did not send you, your internship, your job, your family, your race, your, no, your, that's not what happened. He sent his son into the world. So what would it look like for us to orient our lives around the purposes of God as opposed to orienting God's purposes around our lives? And we do that every day. I do that every day. So specifically when it comes to issues of injustice, this is the rubric that we created to help people process the nonsense that happens every day. Whether that be you encountering it personally or another video goes viral, right? So the next time, you hear someone come up here and say, hey guys, we're going to Africa, I don't know what country, but we're gonna you know, help this place called ADI, right? Some of you are sitting there like, you're like, what, Africa, what? Oh, tithing, what, I don't even, uh, right? What I wanna invite you to do is just stop. You don't have to give out of guilt, shame, fear, obligation, or wanting praise for yourself or being angry, you don't. What if you actually stopped and said, God, how do you want me to love my neighbor at this moment in time? Somebody gets on the subway and they're homeless and they're asking for money. Stop and say, God, how do you want me to love this, love you, respond to this person in this moment in time? God, how, how do you want me to serve and love the planet in this moment in time? How, God, how do you want me to love my brother or my sister or my cousin or my uncle who I'm really having really hard problems with right now? God, how do you want me to love my, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend, my ex boyfriend God, how do you want me to respond with love at the center? It might look like you doing absolutely nothing, but you've done the most is when you stop and respond to God. Most of us are usually looking for response blessings. We do something, then ask God to bless it, right? You say something, you're like, Father in heaven, I hope you just help that land right. Be quiet. Keep the money in your pocket. We don't, we don't have to respond. It is an opportunity for God to meet us when we do respond. Because the question is not, should you respond? The question is, how should you respond? And that's where God meets us. So the next time you hear about another mass shooting, the next time you hear about another police brutality case, the next time you hear about somebody being acquitted, the next time you hear about Standing Rock, the next time you hear about someone in the LGBT community being abused, the next time you hear about a Muslim person being beat in this city, the next time you hear about your mom or your dad experiencing some type of brokenness, stop and say, Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, what do you want me to do? Not do you want me to do anything? Because the answer is always yes. The answer is always yes. Some of us are like, God, do I share my faith with this person? The answer is always yes. Do I help this person? The answer is always yes. The real question is how? So we put God in the center by praying, and then we say, okay, what do I have to offer to God? Psalm 24, one says, everything on the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
So we pray and then we purchase. What are you going to leverage? Your time, your talent, your money to say, how can I purchase freedom for this person because God did that for me, right? Jesus looked at his resources and said, what am I to do? I must be about my father's business, right? We do the same thing. Some of you have access to money. Some of you have time. Some of you have resources. Some of you have talents. Like, what if you brought those things to God and offered them back to him in worship? I'm not saying all of you need to become pastors and leaders. I'm saying you need to be pastoral in your cubicle, right? I'm saying you actually need to look at what it would look like to actually reflect the kingdom of God to the people around you as you get on the subway every day and go to work. If you're sitting there in your unemployment, what are you supposed to do with your time? Because your time belongs to God anyway. He says he's going to provide for you, so why don't you ask him, right? What if we lived like that? So we bring our resources to God after we pray because then we can see our resources in light of who he is, not who we think we are, right? So we pray, we purchase, then we partner. If you get a vision from God to solve a problem and you can accomplish it by yourself, it's probably not from God. I just want you to think about that for a second. Every person in Scripture, when they got a vision from God to do something, they were terrified. Everybody. Nobody was enthusiastic. If you are enthusiastic about the thing that God is calling you to do, you might want to pause. Right? Because it's inherently sacrificial. It's always uncomfortable. People say, oh, my comfort zone is this big. If you push yourself out of your comfort zone, your comfort zone gets bigger, just so you know. Right? So we partner with God with our resources and holding on to who he is and who we are in light of him, right? And we act, we respond, right? We build relationships with people so that we are reflect his community in the world and then systems begin to change. Policies can actually shift. Why? Because I guarantee you our policies, our systems, our laws, the way we govern our lives, see, time is up, right? The way we govern our lives would be, diff- be different if we actually were in relationship with the people that our systems impacted, right? It would, I would vote fundamentally differently if the laws affected me, right? I want you to just hold that right here. Just put that in your pocket, okay? I would vote totally different if the laws affected me. I would act totally differently if what I did actually affected me, right? I would buy differently if I actually worked in a field. It'd be different. That is why Jesus moved into our neighborhood. So I want to invite you to dislocate yourself. Some of you can't relocate yourself because rent's really expensive, but listen. What I want to invite you to do is actually enter into different people's reality the same way that Jesus did. Next slide. And the the context in which we do is called log off. Local, green, organic, fair, and free, right? To make the love of God local to people all along our life supply chain because there are people who make our lives possible. To live green and organic that we might steward our bodies in this planet well, and then to live fair and free to make sure that the people, when things are traded, like things are sold, they actually get a kingdom wage. I'm not talking about a living wage. I'm not talking about a fair wage. I'm not talking about a minimum wage. I'm talking about a kingdom wage where they can actually flourish, work, rule, and create the way that all of us were intended to be. This is beyond capitalism, beyond socialism, beyond communism, beyond every system we've set up. This is about the kingdom of God being set up and exalted and us actually reflecting that. That's what this is about, right? To be stewards, not consumers, as God intended. Next slide. And you can do this in every context, okay? God is sovereign in rural areas. He's sovereign in suburban areas. He's sovereign in urban areas. He's sovereign internationally, right? You can pray, purchase, partner, and influence policy wherever you're at. Why? Because there's always people there, and where people are, there is injustice, unfortunately. There's always the opportunity for us to respond to the love of God and love people on the planet well. 
So the last slide is this. By living local, green, organic, fair, and free, through prayer, partnerships, purchasing, and policy shaping, we can create rural flourishing work and witness God's personal, relational, systemic, redemptive justice in rural, urban, suburban context. Like my life right there. So after this, we're going to go to the hollow nickel. I, I thought it was like the, the rusty quarter or the lost penny, but it's hollow nickel. That's where we're going. Okay. Um, I would love to have a conversation with you. There are cards that are going to be passed around to you guys um, for us to be able to stay connected if you already made plans and don't want to change them to come hang out with us. Okay. Um, you please fill out those cards. Please put them um, in the, at the connection table um, because the reality is we're launching a company called Good Journey. You'll be able to talk to some of the team that's there today to help people live these things out practically. The log off movement, we're helping get communities of six to 10 people all over the country who are gonna live these things out well. Um, there are people who are already doing that. Um, and there's workshops and stuff that you can come to right now to learn how to love your neighbor well. Amen.